What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim, and I'm here to recap the national championship game. If you like the podcast, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm also going to put this up on YouTube later this week, but this is going to be my recap um, on the game. And then I, I have a little bit of a rant that I'm going to go on based on something I, I put on Twitter last night and just people outside of outside of Columbus could not handle it. And it has to do with the game. The reason why I want to talk about the game is because despite the fact it was two SEC teams, it is relevant to the Big Ten conversation because the Big Ten ultimately wants to get to the playoff, wants to win a national championship. And the first thing I want to talk about, obviously, Georgia won last night, 33 to 18. And I thought it was actually a really, really good football game. Uh, it was really close, pretty much all the way throughout, you know, the, the, the pick six by Ringo at the end of that game sealed it. Um, but it was a, a really entertaining game. The thing that really jumped out to me on, on both both teams was the speed and size of the front seven uh, of each of their defenses. And so I know a lot of people got frustrated with Kirk Herbstreet last night because there's the narrative of SEC speed, right? It just, it's different. It just means more in the SEC. But the, the first takeaway from this game was just how powerful and fast these defenders were on both of these teams. And I've watched a little bit of Georgia. I've watched a little bit more of Alabama. I knew Will Anderson was probably the best defender in college football. And no, no offense to Aiden Hutchinson, who I thought he deserved to, to be in New York. He deserved to, to be there because of how, where he got Michigan. Um, I thought he was a really good player. He's not the best defender in college football. It's Will Anderson. And it's, it's by a mile. He was even in a loss. He was the best player on the field last night. That, that dude can fly. Dallas Turner can fly for Alabama. Um, just really, really good front seven play. And then, you know, you talk about Georgia, uh, Nakobe Dean and Jordan Davis. I thought Jordan Davis really redeemed himself last night after a really subpar SEC championship game. I just thought the defenses played out of their minds last night. And ultimately, what I thought about Georgia all year rang true that they were not just an elite defense, they were a generational defense. And the back seven is great not generational like Dorian Kendrick is 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 a fine player but he is not a super superstar corner right like there are other guys that are better than him um their safety play is really really good it's not elite and that's the only part of that defense where I'm like uh it's not maybe generational, but every, every other part of their defense is generationally good. And that's what won them the game last night. 
And it was, it was a beautiful thing to see, quite honestly, you know, in a world where college football is now ruled by offenses, we saw a team that was defense defensively led that won the championship. I thought Georgia, you know, and I didn't pick, I didn't pick Georgia to win just because I thought Alabama would be able to exploit the one pseudo weakness. I, I can't even call it a weakness, but the, the pseudo weakness of Georgia. I, I, I thought Georgia would be, or Alabama would be able to do that. And I'll get to why they could uh, in a minute, but I, I think we have to acknowledge just how good this defense was. Um, in an era where offense has dominated the college football landscape, Georgia won with defense and with special teams. Uh, they blocked a field goal last night, which was huge. And solid but not spectacular offensive play which brings me to the next the next point uh, I did not think that Stetson Bennett could lead Georgia to a national championship and the reality is and I, I don't I don't want to take away from him because he is the story is amazing and he deserves a lot of credit for last night he is never going to be the superstar quarterback. And, and, and when we, so when I, when I say that he is not the reason they won the game, I don't mean that as a, I don't mean that to denigrate him. I mean that to say just, he was not asked to do what Bryce Young was asked to do last night. Stetson Bennett was asked to manage the game, make a couple of downfield throws and not lose the game. And he was put in a position to do it and he did it. And he deserves a lot of credit for that because there are a lot of other quarterbacks that would go into that game and not do what he did last night. Great example. And I love this kid, but Desmond Ritter. And now granted Desmond Ritter had to do more to put Cincinnati in a place to win that game, uh, to win uh, to for Cincinnati to be be in it with Alabama, but he didn't even do the the little things to help his team be in contention. He did not play well. Stetson Bennett played his butt off last night. Key scrambles uh, when snaps were bobbled, he collected them, and he was able to get the ball handed off. And that sounds small, but the fact that he did that and that wasn't a turnover at the goal line late in that game to put Georgia ahead was huge. It was massive because if they fumble that ball there, Alabama gets the ball back and they lose all the momentum from that huge run by James Cook. And so Georgia, Stetson Bennett, a lot of people are calling for Stetson Bennett, Bennett's job for JT Daniels in the third quarter of last night and for them to go on a run a 20 point run after they were down 18 to 13 Stetson Bennett's not the reason why they won but he he allowed them to win this game just with his steady play his leadership and he deserves a lot of credit and I I did not give him a, a lot of, I did not think he could do what he did last night. 
And instead, I thought he did a great job. Um, the big throws, uh, number five, I can't remember his name. And then another big throw to George Pickens uh, early in that game. I, I thought that really set the tone where that loosened up the run game just enough because they knew they had to, they had to, the, the Alabama defensive backs had to account for the deep ball. And so they, they, I thought he did a great job running, great job throwing, and it led them to a win in this ball game. It was all set up because Jamison Williams got, Williams got hurt, which is my, my third, the third takeaway. First point takeaway, uh, just how fast the defenses were and George's defense was generationally good. The second was Stetson Bennett was a steady game manager. The third is that this game changed on Jamison Williams' injury. I, I tweeted out that before the pick six, actually it was before their, their last touchdown, before the pick six, their last offensive touchdown. In the SEC championship game, they scored, Georgia scored 24 points. In the fourth quarter, they had scored 19 points. And if Alabama had Jamison Williams, that would not have been enough. Here's why Stetson Bennett succeeded last night. He didn't have the pressure of having to keep up. He didn't have the pressure to keep, to keep up pace with Alabama's offense because Alabama had no weapons, reliable weapons to get deep, right? They, they had the tight end get, get loose on the 61-yard touchdown, Latu, but they, they tracked him down and they held him to a field goal. Um, they had Hall and, uh, oh man, Brooks, Ja'Cory Brooks, and uh, there's another guy, Bol I think it's Bolden, is number seven. Fine, they're going to be great players. They're going to be great receivers. They're five-star and four-star guys. They have, they've got speed to burn, but between drops, between wrong routes, they just couldn't get it done against a, a really good secondary. Right. So not taken away from them, but losing Jamison Williams was the difference in this game because the, the, the reason why Alabama won the first matchup is because they had explosive plays. And then Stetson Bennett felt the pressure to keep up and he couldn't, and he threw interceptions. Without an explosive playmaker on the outside, Georgia didn't have to worry about keeping, keeping pace. And Alabama had nobody else that could take it the distance. Brian Robinson's a great back. He's not Najee Harris. You know, he's not Derrick Henry. He's not a guy that can really take it 80 yards. And he was great in this game. I, he's, he's a really good player. He's going to be really good in the NFL, I think. But he's, he's not that guy. Um. Billingsley and the other other tight ends are good, but they they are not going to, you know, the explosives just weren't there for Alabama, and that was how they beat them the last time. And so I I made my prediction, thirty four to twenty seven. Uh, in a lot of ways, my Georgia score was almost dead on, if not for the pick six. Bama couldn't score because they didn't have anyone explosive on the outside following. Jamison Williams injury. It, it's, it's what killed them. It's, it took away their, their 
their path to victory because they had to outthrow, they had to outthrow their secondary. Like that was the only way they were going to win, which gets me to, the, to my fourth point. A lot of people were taking away, there are a lot of people on Twitter saying that Bryce Young shouldn't have won, won the Heisman with how he played last night. He did not play super well last night. He made some questionable throws, questionable decisions. Um, the throw to Latou for the touchdown is, was absurd. And anyone trying to take away from that, it was like a four-yard touchdown. That throw was ridiculous. He's sprinting out of the pocket, throws across his body, you know, it, the fact that he could do that was just absurd. So just realize what he did. No, like NFL quarterbacks can't do that. So that's one. The second thing is, I, I don't know what quarterback could have gotten them out of the, out of the mess they were in last night. Your top two receivers are out and your, your best receiving option at that point is Slade Bolden and Slade Bolden's a, um, he's a, a Hunter Renfro type of guy. Like he's good. He's not going to be the guy that can, can blow the top off a of defense. And then the rest of your, the rest of your team is just inexperienced. They're dropping balls. If, if Hall catches that ball, I think it's in the third quarter. If he catches that ball, that would have been at around the 10 yard line and they, they score, this game is probably different. But instead, he drops it, they go for a field goal, it gets blocked. I don't know what Bryce Young was supposed to do against, honestly, the best defense that I've seen in years. I mean, just, we're going to look back and, and say that this defense was a generational defense. And I underrated them, or I, I underrated them because I, I thought that, Michigan could stack up. That was a mistake. Um, and no, that's no offense to, to Michigan. It's just Georgia was, they were rested. They were ready to go and they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. Um, but going back to Bryce Young, he absolutely, I, I don't want to say he was, he absolutely should have won the Heisman because I, I think the Heisman, the Heisman award I think was a hard one to figure out until the last week of the season when CJ Stroud lost to Michigan and, you know, Bryce Young did what he did to Georgia in the SEC championship game. That's what won him the Heisman. But to say that he, he, he didn't deserve it based on this game is just, it's pure stupidity. He didn't have his greatest game. Georgia's is going to do that to a lot of people. There's a lot of defenders on this team that are going to do that to NFL quarterbacks. And listen, you know, CJ Stroud was great against Utah and I'm, I'm a CJ Stroud guy. He still had Jackson Smith and Jigba and he was playing a defense that had a converted running back as a second corner. It's not a comparison. Okay. And I don't know how CJ Stroud would have done against this Georgia defense. But this is not, this game is not an indictment on Bryce Young. Bryce Young is an excellent quarterback prospect. He's smaller, he's leaner, but he is a really, really good player. 
And anyone trying to take away from this to say, well, he's not good enough. He choked under the pressure. He Just stop it. He's a great player. And he's going to be a top five pick in the draft next year um, when he declares after his junior year. He's a great player. He's going to be in the running for the Heisman again. And quite honestly, I'm not sure he doesn't win a national championship next year because a lot of guys from Alabama are coming back. So we'll see. Um, we'll, and those, those receivers that were dropping balls in, the, in this game, they're going to have another year of experience. They've got plenty of speed. So just pump the brakes. Bryce Young deserved that Heisman as much, if not more so than anyone else, maybe except for his own teammate and Will Anderson. So that just, just chill on that. Um, but re- again, just, just to wrap up, this Georgia team was really, really good. I, you know, I, I honestly didn't want to see Georgia win because I'd, I'd love to just keep the SEC narrative to Alabama and that's it. But the reality is Georgia has been recruiting at an elite level. Kirby Smart is only the second assistant of Nick Saban to beat Nick Saban. In, in Nick Saban's history. And Kirby Smart has proven himself now as one of the few elite coaches in this business. So good for him, good, good for Kirby, good for Georgia. You know, they, they end a 40 plus year drought in the national championship picture. They're here to stay guys. I mean, they are a legitimate force. And I, if, if anybody from another conference can come up and rise up against these two programs, it's going to take a lot because what I saw on that field, again, going back to those, those front sevens, the speed and strength differential is stark between those two teams, not the sec. I I want to be very clear, not the sec, but between those two teams and everybody else, it is stark, particularly in their front sevens, defensive front sevens. Uh, let me take a quick break, and then I, I, I need to rant a little bit. So I'll be right back on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I am going to be talking about maybe my, my final Big Ten rankings in a week or so, as well as kind of evaluate some of the, the way too early top 25s that are being put out for 2022. I'm going to get to that next week, but I need to, I I need to do a little bit more research and and think through some things. Um, Fun stuff coming on the horizon though. You know, it's the off season, but it's probably the best time then to talk about future and to talk about uh, things like the playoff, playoff expansion, things like that, which by the way, if you haven't heard playoff expansion is dead currently, because I think actually most likely from what I'm hearing, it's because of Kevin Warren, the big 10 commissioner who everybody just loves. Everybody loves Kevin Warren. That is obviously sarcasm. Uh, I will withhold my comments. Uh, Here's my rant during the game last night after Jamison Williams went down I, I was very locked into the game and I made one Ohio state. No, I made two Ohio state tweets. The first was in response to someone 
asking, how would Ohio State do against these two teams? And what I said was, I don't think we stay within 14 points because by we, I mean Ohio State, because I'm a, I'm a Buckeye guy. I don't think they stay within 14 points because the defense is just terrible. I do think Ohio State's offense would have done better against both their defenses um, because of their ability to spread the field. I think, I think the receivers in an inside environment can win against anybody. But I, I think Georgia and Alabama might have scored 60 or 70 points. And it would have been, it would have been like last year's national championship game, quite honestly, where Ohio State couldn't stop Bama. Except the only difference is that Ohio State's defense was worse this year. Uh, go figure. Probably a good thing that Matt Barnes is out and Jim Knowles is in. All that being said, that the second tweet, and this is what I'm going to rant about because I'm going to rant just it's absurd but i made the the comment that there's no program in the country that could replace the top two receivers in their room like ohio state could and my evidence is the rose bowl and granted utah's defensive backfield is not it's it's not close to georgia's defensive backfield but you could tell from the routes from the play design, from their ability to catch the ball, their measurables, just the way that Brian Hartline has designed that room. They are the only program in the country, at least I think the only team, the only program in the country that could lose guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and actually be okay. And it wasn't meant to be a knock at Alabama. It was just saying, look, Jamison Williams and John Mechie are really good. You've got guys in that room who are going to be really good, but they're young and they're not developed yet. That's all I was saying. And you could tell not just because they couldn't, they couldn't hang with Georgia. They won some battles with some, some really good defensive backs, but they dropped wide open passes. At times they ran the wrong routes. Like they just, they weren't prepared for that spot. And, you know, I would say you could understand it because no one was expecting Jamison Williams to not be able to go. But, you know, they knew Mechie couldn't go. So you had to prepare other guys. And they just they just weren't there. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. Ja'Cory Brooks did some things. Good for him. Hall, you know, made a nice play. But they, they were inconsistent. And they were inconsistent, not just because they played Georgia, but they were inconsistent because they were inconsistent. That, and Brian Hartline's room, and it's, it's a bit of an unfair advantage, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is ridiculous. And I don't care if he's playing against air. His last five games, part, and some of these games are with Olave and Wilson, and some of them are without Olave and Wilson. His last five games, he had close to 1,000 yards. I think he had 65 catches over a thousand or close to a thousand yards and six touchdowns. That's absurd. It's just crazy. And so he's now your number one receiver. So on that alone, that, that room is ridiculous. And so that was my tweet. And my, my point was what Brian Hartline is doing at Ohio state is absurd. 
And you would think that I like kicked Alabama's dog. Like it's the way that people were responding. So like, oh, they played Utah. Who cares? Da, 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 da. And, and I'm just saying, it's like, did you even read the freaking tweet? Like, did you read it? I wasn't saying anything negative about Alabama. Like Alabama's really good. Those receivers are going to be great. They're going to be, they're going to be great. I don't, the only thing I was trying to do was to prop up the, the progress and development of Brian Hartline and his room as an assistant coach. I, and quite honestly, I don't think there's a position coach that's better in college football. And I don't know how you can argue against it. The way he recruits, the way he's putting guys in the league, the way that guys are ready to perform. Like, That's all. That was the point. But people are coming after me and they're like, well, who did they play against? And, and I'm like, okay, do they run the right routes? Are they fast? Are they tearing up decent competition? Okay, sweet. They were ready to perform. I don't care if it's Utah or if it's Georgia. Can they play? Do they know their assignments? Are they, are they good enough to play? Are they good enough to play on big stages? That's what I care about. And what, and it's not meant to be a comparison against Georgia's defensive backs versus Utah's defensive backs. All I'm saying is that Alabama's guys are not, they're not as ready as Ohio State's guys at three, four, five, and six. And if anyone is going to disagree with me on that, like, give me a break because I don't care if you're playing Georgia or you're playing like Brooks has made some nice plays, but he's not, he's not consistent. Right. Like Alabama fans were, were, you know, when he scored in the, I think in the Auburn game, they're like, Oh, who's that guy? Oh, it's Ja'Cory Brooks. Great. Okay. Like, Don't give me this, you know, this nonsense of, you know, you're saying Alabama's terrible. Oh, no, I'm saying they're young and they're not as developed yet. That's all I'm saying. Brian Hardline has his guys ready and they're not as ready as they're going to be next year. Like we saw a preview of Marvin Harrison. He's going to be really good next year. Just looking at his routes, his route running is great. But I don't think like, I don't think Marvin Harrison would have been elite against Georgia. But I think he's a little bit more prepared than maybe Ja'Cory Brooks and, and Hall was yesterday. That's all I'm saying. Um, and if anyone is saying that the number three receiver for Alabama is anywhere close to JSN, they're out of their freaking minds. Like no one goes for 15 and 347 and three touchdowns and says, oh, you know, Slade Bolden could be better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Just stop it. It just, it's absurd. I had, a guy, I had a guy on Twitter trying to tell me that JSN hasn't played against any good secondaries or any good corners. He hasn't played against a guy worth, worth a darn. I'm like, I, even if he hasn't, I don't care. He had 1,600 yards, 95 catches. He had the best, best season for an Ohio State receiver ever. I don't care if he hasn't played Georgia. I guarantee you he's better than Slade Bolden. 
I guarantee you he's ready to be a number one receiver. And when, and you know what? Go talk to NFL draft experts. Go talk to all these people. And you know what? Go talk to uh, media members and analysts about who is the best receivers coach in the country. And all of them will say Brian Hartline. Like it's, it's not just me as a, as a fan saying, oh, I think that Brian Hartline's amazing because I believe Scarlett and Gray. I, no, I, I don't want to blow smoke. There's a lot of assistants at Ohio State that stunk this year. Brian Hartline's not one of them. He is easily the best receivers coach right now in college football. And it's, you see it in his, his draft production. You see it, or the way that he's getting guys to the league. You see it in their production on the field. You see it in the way that guys uh, play. Like, it's, it's not just about who they play against. It's, it's competing against themselves. Go watch Garrett Wilson run routes. Go watch Marvin Harrison's route running in the Rose Bowl. Go watch Jackson Smith and Jigba's route running. It's, it's impeccable. And that comes down to technique, which is what is coached. Go, go watch the talent that Brian Hartline is recruiting and, and what they do on the field in pressure situations. Like, can Slade Bolden go and do what JSN did, being squeezed to the boundary when it's late in the game and making an over-the-shoulder Willie Mays catch? No! No, not a lot of receivers can do that. I don't care if it's against Georgia's guy or if it's against Utah's guy, which, by the way, Clark Phillips at defensive back is a stud. So I, I don't want to hear it about, well, they played Utah instead of Georgia. I don't care. The best room right now is Ohio State's wide receiver room in terms of wide receiver rooms. And they're so good that their number three guy stepped up into the number one role and went for 350. I don't care who you play against. I don't care if it's Akron. You, if you get 350 yards, that's a pretty good day. And you're pretty good. Slade Bolton ain't getting 350 against Akron. He ain't getting 350 against nobody. Like just, just the nonsense. I wasn't saying Ohio State's better than Georgia and Alabama. That's what people seem to think I said. I'm like, no, it's ridiculous. Of course they're not better than Alabama, Georgia. There is one position group that they are better than everybody else in. And if you can't see that, you are out of your mind. Okay? Like Purdue has Purdue has a good wide, and I'm just going to stay in the Big Ten. Purdue has a good wide receiver room. David Bell was great. Uh, Milton Wright was great. They were really good at one and two, but there's a drop-off, right? Penn State, John Dotson, Parker Washington, um, Lambert Smith at three is pretty decent, but like there's a drop-off after one and two, right? Ohio State, you get one, two, and then three, and a lot of people think the number three guy is the best. I, I just, so here's my takeaway. And this is what I'm, this is the end of my rant. If this seemed confusing and frustrating, here's my point. Brian Hartline is the best wide receivers coach in the country. And it's the only position group that would have been good enough to be at 
uh, in the national championship game, maybe, maybe them and CJ Stroud and that's it. But that wide receiver room and what Brian Hartline is building there is absurd. And it's special. And people need to take note because it's not slowing down anytime soon. They've got the number one uh, receiver in Emeka Ibuka. He's going to be a sophomore next year. They still have Julian Fleming, who has been dealing with injuries. But he's, I think he's going to be really good. I think Marvin Harrison is going to be a stud. Um, they have, he was the number one wide receiver in the 2022 class, but he, he got downgraded a bit. Caleb Burton is coming in and Koja, Koja Atui is coming in and uh, a lot of really good receivers coming into this class. He's, he's in on a couple of five-star guys in the class of 2023. Brian Hartline is stacking five-star receivers after five-star receivers after five-star receivers, and he's getting them ready to play, knowing that he's about to send the next generation into the league. And so watch out, because this Ohio State wide receiver room is ridiculous. It's the best in college football, and the reason why it's the best in college football is because Brian Hartline's incredible. And that's why in the Rose Bowl, when they were down their top two receivers, they were able to, to have a 570-yard passing day. And I'm sorry, even if Alabama were playing Utah instead of Georgia, they're probably not throwing for over 500 yards. They're probably, they're, they'll probably have some nice plays, and they probably have some inconsistency. Ohio State's the only team in the country that can do that. And a big part of it, you know, is, is because of Jackson Smith and Jigba, but the, the premier part of it is because Brian Hartline has been phenomenal as a position coach. That's the end of my rant. I'm done ranting. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. You're wrong. But I, I appreciate you guys. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting down the road, um, but I hope you enjoyed the recap. Hope you enjoyed my rant. Uh, again, make sure to follow us on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to like, and subscribe. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all that you're doing or appreciate your support and and all that you guys, uh, in terms of listening and, and carrying, it means a lot. So have a good night. Take care. God bless.